0: I'm sitting down outside of my room here in Kenya, Africa, uh, in a little area where there's some couches and chairs at Pastor Peter's house. This has been my quiet place for this entire trip. Every morning after I wake up, I come out here and the first thing I do is I make myself some coffee and I sit out here with my Bible and my iPad and my headphones and I spend my quiet time with the Lord. It's so important to have a space in your, in your life where you can spend your quiet time with the Lord. Now, one thing I've noticed about prayer and time with the Lord is that when we look at Jesus' prayer life, he started many of his prayers with the word Father. He related to God as his Father. He was teaching us, first and foremost, that he had a relationship with his Father. This is how Jesus approached God, and this is how we are to approach God. Now I want to share something that I've learned over many years of missions trips. If you don't serve and minister to others out of an overflow of intimacy with Jesus, your effectiveness will lack even the most essential element. And that element is that you are first and foremost, a friend of God. I have an example of this. The first time I was in Kenya, uh, I was so amped up about seeing some miracles and seeing the, the, you know, I had been on a missions trip before out of the country where I just saw tremendous miracles take place. And man, I was ready for Kenya and I was ready for the crowds, you know, the thousands of people ministering and just seeing demons cast out and seeing people healed. And so I was so focused on those things. I, I wasn't as focused on relationship with God and friendship with God. Now we need miracles. We need power. We have got to be operating in the power of God. If we're not preaching and ministering and seeing the sick healed and seeing the demons cast out, man, we got to fix something. God promised that these are signs that would follow them that believe. So I'm not saying that power isn't important, but I am saying that we need to first and foremost, remember that we are carriers and ambassadors of the love of God and the glory of God. And that looks like friendship with him and intimacy with him. And so I just remember uh, ministering in this way on the first Kenya trip. And I remember the very first night I was ministering in front of thousands of people. I was so focused on the miracles and I just got so, um, I was really kind of amped up and a little bit nervous about it that when I did see the miracles take place and I did see the demons cast out and I did see the healings, it's like, Oh wow, what's next? Now the door had been opened to the people's hearts through the miracles, but I clammed up because I had, didn't prepare properly. I didn't even preach on the love of God. I didn't preach the way that I knew I needed to preach. I felt a void in my heart when I stepped off that stage and I said, God, I didn't, I didn't do it the way I feel like I should have done it. I didn't really communicate your heart to the people through love. I just showed them the power, but I didn't show them the love. And I'm telling you, friends, after years of that incident, and I've been thinking about it for years and years and years, I have finally come to a place where I can tell you that It is all about friendship and relationship with God. And that is what breaks the chains of people, the power and the miracles. They will definitely come, but we need to focus on showing people an intimate relationship with the Lord. Now, this is what uh, the Bible talks about in prayer in John chapter 15, verse seven, which I think is one of the greatest statements on prayer in the Bible. This is when Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. He's basically saying that within the context of relationship, not religion, in the context of relationship, that we are promised that every single one of our desires, every single one of our prayers will come to fulfillment. He says, it'll be done for you. Man, isn't that awesome that you you have a promise that every single desire of your heart, every single prayer that you utter to the Lord will be answered. Now, of course, there's more to this, but I'm here to tell you that, yes, it is possible to have confidence in the Lord, that your every prayer will be answered with a yes. And it's all about relationship and intimacy with the Father. And That, friend, is what today's podcast is all about.
1: Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. This is Justin Self, and we
0: have a real treat for you today. Uh, Number one, I hope you've been enjoying these Kenya intros, and I want to say that that was actually a few years ago that I recorded that, but... I think it's awesome that we're playing it now for you to hear right at the beginning of the episode just like we did on the first episode of season 4. So if you haven't heard that, go back and I really encourage you to listen to that. That's uh, the last episode we put out and that's where we share about Kynos Global and where we've been and where we're going and what we've done and all all those types of things. So I really encourage you to check it out. That was that was a pretty cool episode, I think. And it kind of, you know, sets the context for for what's ahead. What I think is really cool is that Way back there, when I was in Kenya, when I recorded these things, like what you just listened to, I think what's interesting is that I was thinking about you when I recorded that. I really was. I know that sounds funny, but I honestly was. I was thinking ahead to this moment when you would be listening to this podcast at this very moment. And I don't believe it's an accident that you're listening right now. I really don't. I believe God orchestrated it and did things. And I really believe there's something for you today that you're going to hear that's really going to equip you and empower you from God's word. Man, that is powerful right there. And so I just think that's amazing that back then I was just, I was thinking ahead and thinking of you and it's not an accident for you to be here to listen to what we have today on the, on the podcast. Now, the real treat, what did I mention? What I said there was a real treat. I did something that I've never done before. I cold emailed someone that I look up to whom I had never met, but I've read their book and I, well, at the, at the time I hadn't even finished their book, you'll, you, you know, you'll see. And I'm reading the book and I'm like, wow, this person is amazing. Like, I don't even know this person, but, but she has the, a way of speaking and a way of communicating the heart of God and intimacy with the Lord and prayer. Like I've never heard anyone else talk before. And it resonated with me as I'm reading it. I'm like, I didn't know anyone else thought this way. I just was, this is so good. This is amazing. This is speaking directly to me. This is really ministering to me. And so I just was overcome. I said, I'm going to have to reach out to to this person. And so I did. And Miss Susan Eckhoff said yes to being on the podcast. And I'm so thankful and grateful. So she is here and we're going to play the interview slash conversation for you here in just a second. But I just want to, before we get started, prepare you for what's coming. Now, This is going to be slightly different because I I just feel there's so much density to this podcast. What I mean by that is I think there's so much good stuff crammed into this podcast that throughout the review process, I've listened to this episode several times, you know, just for edits and stuff like that before we finally release like we are now. And I still am having to process and think about and rewind and, you know, hit hit the reverse button, you know, the little Apple play reverse 15 second thing multiple times to catch what Susan is saying, because the meat and, and potatoes of what she's saying is so meaningful and just profound. So I'm just saying it's going to be just buckle up. It's going to be awesome. And I really think you're going to be encouraged. So that's what we're doing. Susan's going to be here. And the book that we're talking about, I kind of opened this this conversation with talking about her book. And I do recommend that you get it, that everyone gets it. It's called Prayer That Must. And it's available on Amazon, and I have a link to it in the podcast notes today, but it's a tremendous book, and we go into some of those types of questions. You'll hear us reference the book several times today on the, on the podcast, but I really honestly do recommend that book because it, it really blessed me. It really ministered to me, and I have it with me, and I'm going to read it again. So <laughs> I just think it's great. All that to say, um, let's get right into it. I think you're going to really enjoy this, and I really do believe, friend, it's not an accident that you're here. And I believe you're going to get something today, brand new from the Word of God. So let's get right into the podcast. I'm encouraged by you in so many ways. But as I read this book, <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm doing pretty good. I didn't do my goal. I didn't complete my goal. Look how you have far done I
2: am. Oh, so good. This book and thank you, it's such an honor that you would read it. And I by no means think that you need to finish it. Oh. I think that it's something that I would share. You already know pretty much.
0: I am going to be sharing this book from the podcast a lot. I want everyone to buy this book. I think this is absolutely fantastic and wonderful. And I have no problem advertising your book all day and every day. It's been a tremendous encouragement to me.
2: I'm so glad. And you to me.
0: Well, thank you. (laughs) So your parenting wisdom in in the book is great. So it's been very encouraging to me. (laughs) And I always remember I say, oh, she had seven. Okay, I can do it.
2: Yeah, there were some tough days for sure.
0: Do you have any children at home still?
2: I do. I have two sons and then I have a daughter who's finished with college and she's just getting ready to look for an apartment. Hmm. And I have a son who's just finished college and he's just recently moved out. So I have three married children.
0: I guess we should talk about how we met. Let me mention that. I had never heard of you or anything. And the way that we met was very exciting to me. Someone had mentioned a U version Bible plan. One of the people in our church we'd been doing U version Bible plans together on the side. And someone suggested this, this one that was called Prayer that Must. And I said, "Oh, that's an interesting title. Great. Okay, we'll read it. You know, we've been reading Bible plans together." And I said, "Okay, there's this picture of, you know, some interesting looking cup. Okay, that's fun. <laughs> you know, nothing special, I guess. It's just it's a different kind of cup, and I want to ask you about this cup in a second, but it's a very interesting cup. I know there's a story, but I'd like to hear it." But I started reading this devotional and I'm not kidding you. I, Susan, I was blown away. I really was. I was encouraged. I was empowered. And I just, the way that you articulate things that I feel like nobody has ever, I've never heard anybody articulate some of these things before. And I just in my quiet time with the Lord and some of the revelations I've been having and just the way that he spoke speaks to me and the way I relate to him very intimately that nobody knows here, I'm reading about it in your book. And I'm like, there's someone else? And it's like, this is interesting. And so the more I've read, I just was so encouraged. And so I just remember first reading that, those Bible plans and in the back of my mind, I'm like, what if I could get Susan on a podcast? That would be crazy. It was like, this is a crazy idea, you know, to me. So that was a while ago, actually. And so I've just kind of been tossing it around in my head. And I I finally, I don't know what, I just said, I just need to do it. I'm just going to invite you. So I, I reached out via email and you were so sweet to write back. And so here we are. And so I'm excited. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that is so great. Um, and it sounds like maybe you're writing a book as well.
0: I'm writing another book. I actually have my first one here. So, this is the first one. This is called Face to Face, An 18-Day Journey of Hearing God's Voice as His Friend. It's on Amazon. Oh my goodness. Yeah.
2: I've seen that book before. I don't think I own it though.
0: It's on Amazon and I published it through Amazon in uh, 2021. That was exciting. It's always been in my heart to to write a book, to be an author. And actually, I just I know this about myself. So when I bought the ISBN number, I bought 10 of them and I'm going to use them all up because I'm not going to just write one or two or three. I I know I'm just going to, it's going to be a prolific thing. I just, I love writing and I know it's something God's called me to do. So, so that's the first book. So yes, I am working on a second book, Physics of Faith. And it goes along with some of those concepts that we've done on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. Um, But specifically, it actually reminds me a lot about your book. When you talk about, when you, you spend the first part of the book talking about kind of building foundation for the prayers that must. And then the second part Is it the second part or the third part? Part three channels. Yeah. So part three, you actually go into the specifics of the prayers that must, and you define them specifically. Well, that's kind of actually the format my book is going to be. It's going to be very foundational in the first section. And then the next part, we're just going to go through the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And we're just going to go through all the different things that she operated in with respect to what I'm calling the physics of faith, things that she operated in. And then she saw God's power work on her behalf. And so I'm just breaking it down and sharing those types of, of things that I've, I've learned over the years. So.
2: so I was listening to that podcast, and as I was understanding it, you were bringing out the conditional promises and believing what she heard. So when she heard about Jesus, her faith was invoked by hearing, if I'm remembering correctly, and she was acting by reaching to touch on her faith. Mm -hmm. Very interesting.
0: I would like to ask about that teacup. Can you tell me a little bit about what is the significance of this very interesting looking cup on the front of your book?
2: When I was thinking of writing this book and this testimony on prayer, to me, I was talking about intimacy with God. To be in conversation with God meant that He was filling me on a continual basis. And so I wanted to illustrate that, if you will with the idea of an infilling and so my friend gave me this cup for christmas it's an anthropology cup and my daughter who is an artist as well and a photographer took her camera out into a field i held the cup and poured the water and she took the pictures and then i took it into photoshop and added some colors and and there it was
0: that's awesome i love that and it's overflowing and i notice you're not just dripping it in there right (laughs)
2: yeah, we want the outpouring, right?
0: Yeah. Okay, so I got some questions here, but I just, I really want to hear from you about prayer because that's actually the whole point, what precipitated me reaching out to you, honestly. And I I mentioned this briefly on an email. God did speak to me recently about teaching people to pray and incorporating prayer more into what he's called me to do. And so the very first thing said Susan Ackoff. So, okay, that's why I'm excited. I think this this is very divine. So you mentioned in your book about there's a whole chapter on this about hearing God's voice and kind of the mechanics of how you hear his voice. That's a lot of what I've done and explored in, in the face-to-face book. But what I didn't get into that I really, I would love to get into with you because you, you did a whole chapter on this, is this whole idea of not just hearing his voice, but now taking it one more step and acting on his voice. And you shared this example that I thought was so re- uh, relevant of you and your husband Richard basically disagreeing at first about staying at this church or leaving this church. And I love that because that's how Jenny and I operate as well is where one of us will hear something and the other person kind of needs to hear the confirmation. And that's just how (laughs) Jenny and I are as well. Like I just, I don't know. Sometimes it's me and I hear in the beginning and then she has to hear the confirmation and then sometimes it's the other way around, I guess. But what your point was, and I really would love to hear you speak on this, is the importance of laying down your own will when you hear His voice and when you hear something that maybe you're, you don't want to, to do, or maybe you didn't think you wanted to. And then now, of course, you're looking in the rear mirror and I'd love to hear what your perspective is on, on those types of situations, looking backward after being obedient.
2: Okay, well, I think first that the submission of our will is an alter experience. And I've come to see my life as a series of altars where my will must be submitted. But I have changed my perspective of God's will over the years. I used to see it as like a wall, and you hit the wall, and you either submitted or you didn't go further. Now I see the will of God as beautiful, lovely, intricate, interesting, fascinating, glorious. And if I were picturing His will as like a column in the middle of the room, I would picture it as Something that I would be drawn to, that I would want to walk around and around until I had experienced more fully his thinking, which is higher than ours. And so his will has become so beautiful and so fascinating that to submit to that is to take the higher calling. It's to fall more deeply in love with him. It's to understand a higher thought, a higher way and to receive the best. I will say that there have been times when I wept profusely as I relinquished my will, and there have been times when I ran to the altar I couldn't wait to submit it. But on either end of that spectrum, the beauty of his will is the lasting experience. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that overrides all other things. I would say that in looking back on decisions like that, I've never been sorry. And it was the means by which I would know him more intimately and thereby have the desire of my heart.
0: That's awesome. What would you say to a person who maybe was in that boat where they maybe have had a religious background or church background and this idea of the will of God, I never thought of it that way, but that's beautiful what you just said, maybe thinking of it as a wall and... Well, are you in the will of God or out of the will of God? And it's like this black and white thing and it's a little bit cold, you know, and it doesn't feel good. But how does one go about stepping into this new relationship of seeing the will of God as this beautiful pillar that you're going to, it draws you in more deeply. Like that's language that doesn't always make sense to people. And I know me, it it wouldn't have made sense to me years ago because I saw that brick wall. That's what I saw as well. I guess, what would you say for a person who's saying, what, (laughs) what are you talking about? How do you get there?
2: So I I think I've heard you say in your podcast before, I greatly admire your passion for the Word and your desire for intimacy with God. There is a place beyond sitting in a pew, and the church at large has been longing for intimacy with God, a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, understanding the heart of the Father, seeing Yeshua, as both God and friend, yeah. that we have longed for for years. I heard you talking about it when you did the Song of Song studies. As you talked about the Shulamite, I think it's not just you and me; it's an entire uh, global church yeah. who is passionately pursuing more. Yeah. We just always known that there must be more, and so I think the difference between theology and cold submission to the will of God as a superior dictator and this idea that I couldn't imagine anything more beautiful than union with him um, is the difference in being able to understand his will. Mm. That's really That's good. Yeah. Glorious.
0: yeah. That's really good. That's really good. I'm thinking. Just <laughs> there's so much to think about. Thank you, Tom. Could I ask about maybe how you learned to pray? Could I ask something like that? Because I know a lot of people could connect with a question like that. Um, is that something you could... That's
2: such a great question. Yeah. It's not one that I prepared
0: for. I know, I know. That's why I'm like a little hesitant. So,
2: <laughs> I think learning to pray initially came as a teenager when I, for lack of a better way to say it, fell in love with the Holy Spirit. And when he is teacher and first love, then his ability to bring forth the tenets of the faith, whether it be fasting or serving or praying, is his expertise. And so over a period of years, beginning in my teen years with receiving my prayer language and speaking in tongues and understanding That there were deeper connections with God, and I'm talking about years of practice, all the way to what we would call contemplative prayer, where really, most of the time, I don't use music, I don't need any props, I'm just gazing. I'm gazing at the one I love and communing with Him. Lots of times, I don't really even have a request. It's just a relationship. It's just enjoying His presence. And to be in Him is the same thing as having everything that He provides. Mm. There's just this wonderful satisfaction of my head on the shoulder of my Father and completely confident that in resting in Him, I have everything. It's not that I never pray specific prayers. I do lots of times. I have friends in need like everyone else. I have family members that I love very much that are hurting And I pray very specifically, but I would say over, I'm 62, over 20 years of just basic prayer moving now into my older life, it's just enough to be in His presence. Hmm. Everything's provided. Yeah, that's good. And what I mean by gazing, if I could just speak into that. When we look into the scriptures, let's say we're in one of the gospels, or we are looking at Isaiah's vision of the Father on his throne in all holiness and a coal is being rushed to his lips, Uh, whether we are watching the Holy Spirit move in the book of Acts or in the Old Testament, there is an opportunity to read words. And I'm kind of like you, the meaning of a word or the cross referencing is this delicious It is. I love study. But what I'm talking about when I'm talking about prayer is allowing a passage of Scripture to connect us to the description, connects us to the face of God, and then we are just gazing at Him. And the communion that happens in the gazing is is the all-in-all. And for me, that has become most of what my prayer is.
0: Mm. Now, you mentioned in your book, Prayer Discipline. And you shared a really funny story. It was funny to me of a season in your life where you got up at 4.30 in the morning. Now, I didn't tell you this on the email, but guess what time I get up for my quiet time? (laughs) It has to be 4.30 for me. I'm an early bird anyway, but because of life and the time of getting the boys up and school and me and breakfast and everything... You described yours as luxurious from four thirty. I think you said three hours is what you got. Yeah, uh, I yeah, get,
2: I've got three hours. Okay,
0: I get two hours <laughs> with four thirty. But man, two hours is delicious and 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 luxurious for me. But I just thought that was kind of funny, four thirty. But tell me a little bit about how you're developing that framework has evolved over the years, if at all. Because I know in the beginning, when you when you're at least for me, I'm speaking from my experience. I'm not spending the time in the Word. I'm not spending my intimate time with the Lord that I want. And I've tried everything else. I've tried evening. I've tried middle of the day. Mm -hmm. I've tried lunch break. I've tried it all. Nothing works. I don't have any availability. It has to be Mm -hmm. early morning. And so I find six o'clock doesn't work, you know. So for me, trial and error was like, okay, 430 works. It's not the middle of the night. I I just have to go to bed earlier, which I, I, like you said in your book, I became in love going to bed earlier because I know I get to wake up and spend time with him. So I'd like to know how, how has that evolved over the years for you? In that moment, it's more of a, At least for me, it was almost like an emergency thing. First aid kit for me, it was like, I need to get something going. And it it was a discipline for a while and it was tough for a while. Personally, I've, this has been 10 years of doing this. And so my, my experience has evolved, but I'd like to know how yours, you've been walking with the Lord longer than me. I'd love to know how, how that initial discipline changes over time and what, what it means to you.
2: Justin, I just bless your 430. That is so precious.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)
2: I've come to look like you to have looked at that time as, as a necessity or an emergency. It truly is food, and it is either living without food or having food. There are seasons, though, for anyone who's listening, who's going, I'm a busy mom, I'm a working mom, I'm a busy dad, I'm a working dad. Give yourself a break. The Lord knows that there are only so many hours and there are creative ways to pray and there are creative ways to enjoy the Word. You know, youth Version is an example. Listening to the Word on the way to work, if that's all you got, that's all you got. Praying on the way home, what a beautiful gift. And the Lord is, is graciously receiving that. There are also seasons when things are more stable and you can uh, maybe experiment with something deeper. And so for me, the 4.30 Ended up maybe six years ago, I had a precious experience where the Holy Spirit began waking me up and he woke me up with his presence. And so I'm, it's the middle of the night now for me. So my time with the Lord starts at anywhere from one to two and lasts anywhere from four to six, depending on the day. If I'm traveling, it might look different and that's okay. When I don't have that for a period of time, let's say it's, it's, we just got back from Alaska, you know, I had what I had, but for me, that is food, that is drink, that is the high holy of my life. Without that, I begin to die. And so I, there's, it's like running towards my prayer room. Yay, that's wonderful. Yeah.
0: I love that. Well, being an early bird, 430 has stuck with me for many years, so.
2: What does that two hours look like for you? Just yeah. curious.
0: yeah. So I have a, we have a L shaped couch and my very favorite spot on that couch is right in the corner. You know, I can kind of snuggle into my little corner. And so that's the most, if you look at our couch, that all the other cushions look pretty good, but that, that cushion looks like it's been really, really used because it does, it gets used every day. And so for me, I go out there and I have to be careful because like you said, we're, we both like to study and think. And I've found personally that if I just jump right into a study with my left brain right away, then I sometimes I miss that those intimate moments with the Lord, the gazing, like you're mentioning. And so what I do kind of as a habit, I start out with worship and, and just intimate time with Him. Because if I open the Bible right away, I, I, I start studying usually. So I gotta be careful with that. And so I just kind of spend a few quiet moments and I just talk to Him. You mentioned good morning, Holy Spirit. That's yeah. my thing. I mean, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Father. Like I just, I say good morning to the Godhead. I just say good morning to my best friend and many times he wakes me up as well and years ago i got into the habit of i didn't use an alarm clock because i got to the point where i lo- i just loved the sweet experience of having and trusting him you know if i had to go somewhere in the morning it's like i need that alarm clock but i got to the point where i would trust him and say lord i you know i need to be somewhere i need to be up at such and such a time please wake me up at such and such a time you know and he does and he's and he, it's just a wonderful experience and so same i'm in that space right now as well. And it's the sweetest thing ever. But basically, I'll I'll just start with Him, just spending time with Him and thinking just about how good He is and just worship and prayer. Prayer meaning I just talk to Him and spend time with Him and gaze at Him. And then in that period, I mean, praying in tongues as well. And in that period, I do my best to focus on just worship and prayer towards Him, giving my love to Him and not asking for stuff. Um, I just want to be there with no agenda except for just to give him my love in the beginning. And then after that, I I listen and then, then I'll, you know, do prayer requests and those types of things. Those will come out. But usually those are the times when I can hear from him very clearly when I haven't kind of gotten my own brain track and I'm down some other road. But if I'm just listening and worshiping, I hear from him. So I'll stay in that space as long as it seems necessary, you know, and, and then when I feel it's time, you know, he'll give me a scripture or something or he'll lead me in a direction. And then at that point, I have my little study materials next to me. I have my journal and I loved your chapter on journaling, by the way. I just finished that this morning. That was awesome. And so I, I have my journal and I have my Bible, you know, and then I, I'll read whatever. If there's a prophetic thing that he said to me, maybe like a rhema word or something, I'll definitely go read that out. And, and he knows me because my MO is, if he gives me anything, he knows I'm going to get into it. And then I'm going to go into the Greek and the Hebrew and I'm just going to deep dive. And so he knows that about me. So, and I know that he knows that. So when he gives me a scripture, I say, well, you know what I'm going to do, (laughs) you know? And so I just dive into it and usually it goes from there. That's an ideal morning. It doesn't always happen that way. Somewhere in the middle, there's a child crying or something, you know? Um, Yeah. So that's my ideal session of prayer in the morning at 430.
2: That's beautiful. Justin, do you have a core prayer? Like, you find yourself repeating this prayer over and over. Is it the scripture that you have written on your surfboard for the mysteries of God or the Um, secrets of
0: God? No, it's not, actually. I think, honestly, if you were, yeah, that's a good question. Catching me off guard. I think the prayer of my heart, honestly, is what I find myself telling him most often is, I want to know you.
2: That's what I say. Oh, my word. Yeah. You're scaring me. I'm sorry. That is my prayer. Is it? (laughs) Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's just, I want, yeah. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. How many times do I say that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's our hearts. Wow. And I think that's the cry of the church. Yeah. That is the cry of the church in this day. And I think the Lord is setting us up for what will become the foothills of the end times. Yeah. Um, he wants a church that is passionate, that is not indifferent to Him. He wants a church that is fresh and alive in His spirit. And he is committed to bringing us into the purity of the bridal paradigm yeah. so that we can either be the end times church or raise those who will become the end times church. Yeah. Those will be the people who are able to hold, I believe, with integrity, the power that he will pour into that church before he returns.
0: So what role then should prayers not prayer prayers right but prayers what role do you think that prayers should be taking right now knowing where we are prophetically
2: I am absolutely loving some pointed tools that help me intercede beyond God bless my family two of those things that I use one is bless every home which is a ministry that maps your neighborhood and you have the opportunity to choose between you know one to hundreds of people that you want to pray over, it shows you where their house is and what their name is. It's kind of creepy. Wow! I use that once a week to pray for the 40 neighbors around my house. In that way, I feel like I'm investing in other families in ways that they will never see. But I know that God hears my prayers, and I know that my prayers rumble in their generations. I also love using PrayerCast it specifically looks more at muslim nations but not exclusively okay the video is a it's just maybe a i don't know maybe a three to five minute video on the country of indonesia but an indonesian person is leading the prayer Hmm. and so when i get to the end of that where they pull up the prayer points i just stop and allow the full emotion and passion for people that i don't know to overwhelm me and and I trust the Holy Spirit to teach me to intercede more deeply and more in line with the heart of the Father. But those props, if you will, help me catch the vision for something beyond myself. And then, of course, praying with small groups and with our churches. I think the group think and prayer, it's almost like having a potpourri of I can pray this way and for these specific topics, but then when my friends come in to pray, they add this full aromatic, this beautiful fragrance that goes to the Father that is even more beautiful. And I think that the presence of God that accompanies that kind of prayer is all preparation towards something. Um, And is it is it the Lord drawing the the universal church together, in other words, the worldwide church in this age, in this generation, he's teaching us. And we are, we are loving well when we pray deeply. Mm. Prayer counts. And I'm excited to see how that's changing me. It's breaking my heart. It's opening my heart. It's causing me to link arms with brothers and sisters that I may not know. Does that answer that question?
0: Definitely. <laughs> We're completely ignoring our script. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah. That's so funny that you mentioned that because I, first of all, what what was the name of the first prop that you mentioned? Bless? It's called Bless Every Home. Every Home. Okay. I'm going to look, I'm, I'm pulling these up real quick. Uh, so it's, it's so funny because I've never done that until a re- very recent season. And, you know, I've been on Joshua Project dot Wow. every day for a very long time now but every day and I even have this little app called unreached of the day wow and so that I forgot to mention that that's part of my morning routine I pull up unreached of the day and it shows you an unreached people group I have been all over that site and I've just been eating it up and what you said about allowing the Lord to like basically or allowing your heart to be broken for those people yeah, yeah. that's something kind of new to me, I would say in in this recent season, but I've been, again, it's a Holy Spirit led thing. I didn't come up with it. I didn't know anything about this, but I'm starting to, they put these little pictures up of these unreached people groups and I just look at them and I read their little biography, you know, about their tribe or about their little nation or, you know, whatever it is. And I, I just look at it and the Lord's giving me this new perspective. Like I'm seeing them deeper somehow. I can't explain it, but there's something I can see through the page. I can see something and I love it. And I have this love rising up and I know it's the Lord, it's his love. It's not my love. I mean, I, I don't know, but it's his love and it's coming up and it's welling up. And then from that place is where I've been, I've been learning and and exploring that of in prayer.
2: Is Joshua Project the authors of the books for children, where you can pray for different countries? Do you happen to know if they have a children's curriculum? I don't know if they do. I used one as a homeschool mom that I loved for, you know, we're talking about preparing the next generation to be the generation that perhaps ushers in the return of Christ. Uh, What will those days be like? And what will the church look like glorious like that? But just helping children also to begin to learn how to pray.
0: Well, I do see Uh, some children's resources on their website. I see some prayer guides. I don't see, I don't know if I see books, but maybe there's something called Window on the World. Maybe that's a book. Okay, yeah, I think that's what I used. Well, there you go. looks like a nice book. Oh, yeah, thirty a uh, paperback book. Oh, sweet. I'm going to check this out. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so you'll, you'll love this. I'd love to actually, okay, we're totally tangential now, but bear with me. Okay, so Caleb, seven-year-old, he has this thing, and I don't know if I started it. I think maybe I did, but it's been so long I don't remember now. He, whenever, no matter where we are, no matter who we're around, by the way, if he hears a siren, he immediately closes his eyes and just starts praying in tongues.
2: It's so precious.
0: <laughs> no matter where we are, <laughs> you know? And, and I remember one day, recently, a couple days ago, I was doing the dishes or something. I wasn't thinking about it. And he looked at me, and he's like, Dad, aren't you going to pray? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, a siren. Oh, okay. And so I think that moment for me was really like a big, it just, you know, it hit me in the heart. I was like, oh my gosh, this kid, this like he gets it. I think, and mm-hmm. I, I just want to raise that up in my children. That's my that's my biggest desire is to not just pray over them for protection and for all these wonderful things, but to raise up a prayer, a man of God who is going to fulfill everything God's called him to be, but also be a blessing to the nations and
2: minister. Just bless him in it. Yeah. I just bless him the ability to hear the heart of the Father for other people to care if other other people are suffering, and then not just to care but to pray. it's it's a beautiful gift in him. Yeah.
0: That's so cool. I was going to switch gears and ask you about the birthday stories. Could you share a little bit about those?
2: Yeah, I will. In the year 2000, my mother had recently been separated from her husband, and he, as as she found out later, had had an affair. Very painful time in our family, and for her, obviously. And I just remember, I ne, I am never with her on her birthday. Um, She lives in our yard now, but she's only been in Tulsa for two years. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. At that time, she lived in Virginia where I was born and raised. And I happened to be flying in on the day of her birthday. And so I was excited about that. So we fly in, drive from the airport to her house. And I didn't know, but she was expecting something from the Lord that day. She had asked him specifically for a bouquet of roses. And she didn't know if I would get off the plane and hand her roses or if someone from our family would send them like mm-hmm. FDS. But she just had, she just had this. She's all, she's also gifted with faith. She has the spiritual gift of faith. And so it's easy for her just to ask and believe. I just remember I was in the back of the house, came to the front of the house. And while I had been busy in the back, her sister in law had dropped by a bouquet, a bouquet of roses and when i came out to the family room and she just was there briefly i didn't even hear her there but when she when i came out to the family room here was this bouquet and you know there's a difference between walmart roses and a southern garden okay and so this this precious lady had had an old southern mansion and the rose garden had been there for 50 or 100 years and so she had just gone and clipped a color every color in her garden and just mm. created this bouquet. and here it was sitting on the table i'm going i'm kind of a flower person my love language may be flowers and i'm going oh where did you get these roses and she's just let me tell you the story i asked the lord for roses for my birthday and these just arrived and i was stunned I had never heard of anyone asking for something for their birthday and never dreamed that God would honor it. And so I just meditated on that for a year. Her birthday's in September, and it was the following year that I thought, why not ask the Lord for something for my birthday? And then I wondered, if I'm going to ask for something, I would sure like to ask for something at the center of his own heart. What would he like to give me for my birthday? And I thought about it for about two months. It was a long time of just trying to discern what it was. What I finally decided was that His will for me was my greatest need and greatest love. And it was wisdom. It was just like that delicious, can't eat enough. If I could just have a fresh revelation of who God is, that would be birthday enough gift for me. And so it turned out on the day of my birthday, my husband took me to lunch and I happened to glance between the seats and I said, what's that? Already guessing that that was the birthday gift. And it was back in those days, cassette tapes from a conference that someone had given him. And I said, could I take them home? And he said, sure. <laughs> and I just kind of ran into the house and threw the first tape into the machine. And just I'm just going, I can't believe this is my birthday gift. It's more beautiful than anything that I could have. It's anything that I could physically unwrap. That's something from your heart, with your yeah. mind to enjoy. Yeah. And since that time, I always ask for a birthday gift. My birthday is November twenty eighth. Starting in about September, I begin to think, "Ooh, it's almost my birthday!" And I begin the discernment process: What is my greatest need? What What would my father most want me to have? Every year, it's different. Sometimes it's a breakthrough for someone I love. Uh, sometimes it's something really silly. Um, like how to redecorate something. Okay, like I was spreading my family room because I wanted my guests to feel like they had the hospitality of God had enfolded them. Going, this isn't that. Lord, would you please show me how to make it that? And then in recent years, and probably the last five to seven years, I give my father a gift for my birthday. So I ask him for a gift, and then I give him a gift. The first time I did that. I gave him a year of Sabbaths. I had never celebrated the Sabbath. And so I gave him a year of sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday to play, to to worship, to enjoy creation, to enjoy my family, to eat something delicious, and to move back towards without the law constraining it, the freedom that I had in Christ, just to enjoy my Creator. And that was my gift for Him that year. And so every year now, I add a gift to my Father as well. I have had so much fun with it. Before we did this interview, I just looked back over. This is now, that was 2001. We are now talking 20-plus years of gifts. And here's what I've discovered. When I ask something, I I have the, the pleasure... Of knowing by faith that whether I see the answer to that prayer that year or not is really inconsequential. So I keep my running list and I keep adding the installments. It would be like keeping a record of how prayers are answered, but this is my birthday list. Mm-hmm. And so when the Lord adds something to that, I just add it to the list. For instance, one year I asked to have to be given the heart of an evangelist. Well, it takes years to develop the heart of an evangelist, and it takes an anointing to walk in that, especially for an introvert like me. And yet, over a period of years, I have seen him with installment after installment on that gift. Hmm. And I know that he's faithful to do that. Yeah. I know that's what he wanted me to ask for that year. Hmm. So does that answer your question on birthday stories? Or was there something in particular you wanted me to share?
0: I, you gave me more than my money's worth on that one. <laughs> I didn't know. You didn't. Of course your book didn't say anything about that. That's amazing. I never thought of that. Giving a gift back to him. Yeah. Like that. That's mind blowing. It's, it's blowing my brain right now. It's blowing my mind. That's amazing. So I'm my birthday is November 26th. So Best month
2: of the year. <laughs> I think what so can too. We
0: I know. I know. End of the month. Really, Really yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, so September. All right. That's good to know. I've already started preemptively. Last week, I started the preparation of saying, you know what? I'm encouraged to do this. So this will be my first year of asking the Lord for a birthday I'm present.
2: I'm so glad. I'm, I'm going to pray for you. That's awesome.
0: And so I started out thinking of all the stuff that I want. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. What, what, do I, what does he want me to have? And so I think that's, a, that's such an amazing point. An important point I wanted to bring up is this concept of asking him what to ask for.
2: Yeah. And it all comes back to this, this wonderful fascination with the will of God. If I could have anything that I wanted, how would I align Psalm 37 with, he gives you the desires of his heart. How do I align my heart with his heart? how do I submit my will to His will? And I'm and what I'm being given is so much higher than anything that I could want for myself. Um, how do I enter then into the heart and will of God? And so for me, that's a process of days and submission. And it's also gathering ideas. There's this wonderful, as if you had a basket on your arm, and you're taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that and tucking it into this basket and laying it out before the Lord, there's an assessment that happens where I'm going, where am I deficient? What are the needs around me? What are the tools that I need? There are years that I have asked for the gift of healing. Uh, What are the tools that I need to bring the kingdom of God to bear in the world in my generation? And so I'm thinking really big. It's not small things. And there are things that I know that the Lord will not hand to me in a single moment. But yet, it's what He wants me to have. So I'm not afraid to ask for the big things like I used to be.
0: That's awesome. One thing that strikes me about, here's another parallel, I think, in our walk with the Lord and in our stories. You mentioned your mother getting not just any bouquet of flowers. Not a Walmart bouquet of flowers, but some the Southern yes. bouquet. I don't know what that yeah. is, by the way. I'm, I'm 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 a Pacific Coast guy, so okay. we, we have flowers, but we don't have Southern flowers here. <laughs> but I'm imagining. So what
2: I'm talking about is hybrid tea. For those that I grow roses myself, I just have a few bushes, but I've grown roses for years. I really love them. It's the fragrance. I just put my nose close to that those soft petals and just breathe it's just, I'm just saying pop, pop, thank you. Mm. Uh, It's so rich. The fragrance is so rich and each rose has a different um, distinguishing mark to the fragrance. And then of course the colors. Um, So when I'm talking about a Southern bouquet, I'm talking about roses that smell like your grandmothers, you know?
0: That's awesome. And so he he didn't give her some piddly thing, did he? Mm -hmm. He gave her something that I don't know, maybe the best. I mean, that's the best.
2: Yeah. But think about this, Justin. He gave her the best, that I may cry as I say this, because he knew that I would act on it. And he knew that you would ask for a birthday gift. And he said, let me set a precedent here. This is what I want for you, Justin. This is what I want for your listeners. Could they trust you for more that they could ask or think? The answer is yes. And so a gift to my mother then becomes the invitation to a God whose extravagant gifts are more than we would be willing in some cases to ask for, and yet he is willing to give them. Yeah. Whew.
0: Thank you, Lord. That's yeah. good. I know from our story, me and Jenny, He he's only been faithful to us. And we look back, and one, one of the words that he said to us was really funny, actually. We're driving in the car, and we were on one of our scouting trips to come down here to California, right? And this was, I think, our final scouting trip. We made... Th- three total trips. Second one was supposed to be the last. We were supposed to find housing and jobs and everything, and we didn't, and we were freaking out a little bit. And the third trip, <laughs> we came one week before we were supposed to move. We had already given notices at our jobs. We've already given notice at our rental house. I mean, we were packed up. We had one week, and we had no house and no job <laughs> down here. <laughs> and so we come down here, and it was this crazy faith story, and we got like this ridiculous, amazing house, and the whole thing. It's just total provision, right? Well, we're driving home, we're driving north, I should say, to the airport. And Jenny is just, we're just talking, you know. And then out of nowhere, she just starts prophesying. I mean, she just, the Holy Spirit came on her and she just just shouted almost. She said, you are going to eat the good of the land. Quoting from Isaiah chapter one, verse 19. And as soon as she said that, I looked up and we saw these huge billboards, they're, they're hilarious. They're all over the place down here in the agricultural areas. Huge billboard, probably 30, 40 feet tall of two men. And between them was a, a single bun- bundle of grapes that was about the size of a person. And it mm-hmm. reminded me of in the book of Numbers. Remember when they came back from the, yep. spying out the land and it said mm-hmm. there was one single bunch of grapes between these two men on a pole. That's the picture. And we saw this billboard right when she said that. And we were just shocked for a minute. And I did of course I went back and I did my study thing and I said, Well, Lord, you, you only quoted half the verse. You know, the first part says, if you're willing and obedient, you're gonna eat the good of the land. And he said, Yeah, that's because you've you've been willing and you've been obedient. So I'm gonna give you the good <laughs> of the land. And I'm so we're just shocked. Okay. So we're we're shocked over this. I'm 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 making a point, like this all ties together. He has given us the good of the land. He wasn't kidding. And and the funny thing is, is we it, the good of the land doesn't have a hold on us, right? I don't need luxury. I don't need all that stuff. But he gives us good stuff and good food, healthy food. He, We're taking Caleb to a very, very high-quality Christian school, you know, and God's providing these things. Like, I'm going to an amazingly well-respected thought of, you know, university and aerospace engineering and all this stuff. And I just, I look back and I'm like, everything he's doing for us, every all this provision, all this, you know— all this stuff, all the the faithfulness. He He's so faithful to his word. We are eating the good of the land. And it, and again, it all ties back into intimacy with him. And it's just this love relationship where he just wants to give us the best, but not so I can walk around with a fancy shirt collar or something, but he's that kind of God. He has amazing things and he wants to give us, I don't know. That's, that's my Rose story, I guess the good of the land.
2: Yeah.
0: And, It's just amazing.
2: That's beautiful. And I would just add to that. Your your heart's desire was intimacy with him. And this move has been one step into that pursuit. Opening your podcast has been another step into this pursuit. Just this insatiable desire. If I just have to sit and talk to people or expound on the word, I'm just going to connect with the body of Christ and we're going to pursue God hard. And I think that that download at four 30 in the morning or doing a podcast like this is just more of the the fruit of the land. It's more of your grapes.
0: Mm -hmm. Is there anything about any of the prayers that must that we go, you go through several in your book. Mm-hmm. And I think they're tremendous. The, the way that you've articulated these are wonderful. For instance, when you talk about the prayer that must be written, and when I first saw that saw that title, I said, well, "What? What is? What does that mean?" You know?
2: What could it possibly be?
0: Yeah. Okay. Like, can't he hear our prayer? You know? Like, he, do mm-hmm. I have to write it down for him? And so I started reading it, and but it was about this journal experience, and what's really cool. And I'm just picking on this one is because I I've recently read it and it resonates with me so I have, I'm on my 10th journal right now. And hmm. these journals go back 11 years. 11 years ago was when I had my radical encounter with the Holy Spirit.
2: And oh my goodness. Would you please tell me about that?
0: Okay. You sure.
2: from it, but before we hang up.
0: Okay. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Don't let me forget. I'll, I'll share it with you.
2: I will not let you. Forget.
0: Okay. You'll, you'll like it. There's some funny parts to it. And so I've been journaling and the way that I've been journaling is very similar to what you outline in your book. And again, this was one of those little points that I'm just, I'm personally so encouraged by you and what you do, because I didn't know anybody else did it like this. You know, everybody I talk to, I encourage all the time, my friends and, you know, other people, oh yeah, you should, you should journal a journal. And I try to talk about how the importance of journaling and, you know, I get shrugged off and all this and I say, well, fine, whatever, I'm going to do it, you know, but that is, I always think about this. If there was a fire in my house or something and we all had to get out Of course, number one, the family, okay, right? Living people, that's the most important. But material possessions, what am I taking? And right now, I can tell you right now, I'm taking two things. I'm taking my Bible right here, but I'm taking those journals. Yeah. I am taking those journals. You better bet I will go back in for those journals. That is 11 years of communing with the Holy Spirit. That is my life in those journals.
2: It's a legacy, and you're handing that to your sons. This is a living, breathing relationship and I can prove it over a period of time. I am in conversation with God, yeah. sons. Yeah. Let me tell you what that's like, and and what can you say to someone's testimony like that? Mine are in a fireproof safe. That's I what I was thinking. I had, I had to. <laughs> if I had to run for my life, uh, I wouldn't want those burned up. I actually do all of my journaling now in my computer. Because I like the ability to, um, and this is just in the last few years, but I actually have the physical journals for years and years and years, because I like being able to drop in the illustration, yeah. the picture, cross-reference the scriptures, the Hebrew, and, yeah. and I'm, just, I'm just combining all of this, and I can mix it up. And then I can pull things from other years and drop it in. It's just become very convenient. But, oh, the conversation with God. There is a tree of life. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I have a Tree of Life journal. It's my favorite. I wish I would have to walk away to hold it up to you, but it's leather, and it's stunning. It is the Tree of Life on the front, just like that. Mm -hmm. Very similar. That's amazing. Yeah. My
0: wife got this for me 11 years ago, and I just change out the little inserts, you know? Just change them out.
2: Oh, that's so great. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I just, you know, you can just pull the the that's inserts beautiful. out yeah ah. so this is the same cover i've been using for 11 years on all my journals same cover and so the like here's one here's an old here's an old one it's just it just looks like this it's just a yeah barnes and noble but it's funny because I, I i record you right, know that's where i find too it's
2: oh my just goodness. Um, they have beautiful yeah. journals but once i found this one with the tree of life on it I would have no other. You know, that was just like the final journal. So that I, I used for years. Oh,
0: that's awesome. You know, it's funny too. Again, you, you, you said this in the book and I've never heard anyone else say this, but for years, and sometimes I think I'm crazy. Sometimes I'm like, I'm totally not crazy. I write to a person and I don't know who I'm writing to, but when I'm writing it, I'm writing it to somebody and I know I'm writing it to somebody. And so I'll say things like, hey, you know, what are you going through, or whatever, like an encouraging thing to them, or I say, oh, and this is this is something that happened to me, you know, this is what, and this is what I would encourage you, or whatever. So st- stuff like that. But I just, th- I mean, and even this morning, I actually had a moment where I was writing in my journal, and I was like, I'm writing to somebody. It was kind of weird, but I felt like I was writing to somebody's going to read it someday, and they're gonna. And so again, it, that was a really long. Me, me talking, but I would love to hear you talk about the prayers that must. <laughs> Excuse me. This is an example of how it's ministered to me, though, because I've already been in that practice, but what you're saying and what you've you know, articulated so well really bolstered that confidence in me and really encouraged me to keep going with what I'm doing and, and the style that I'm writing, You know, thinking legacy, writing to somebody in the future. And so, that's just one way or one prayer you're saying, one prayer that must. We must pray. This is what's going on. So,
2: yeah the prayer that must be written for me the lord so values his own conversation that the word of god is in our hands today he so valued what he said to people and what they said back to him that he that the holy spirit caused that to be written down if that's the value he fit, he places on the conversation i would want to honor him enough that if i believe that he's speaking to me in the word or by the spirit, I would care enough to at least write a word or two someplace. Because that is the next installment on a continued conversation. And it would behoove me to have this segment of it. And as I look back, I can see, and you can see, that we're talking about this is a movement of God in my life. And I want all of the movement. I don't want part of it. And I picture the questions that I ask him as questions that are hanging in the air in conversation until he answers them. And it comes in installments. Sometimes it's a single rush of revelation that's the answer to my prayer. But often it's a piece of a sermon, the chorus of a song, and this word that I'm studying in the scriptures. Yeah. And the whole thing together is the answer to this question that's hanging in the air. If I'm faithful to write down the little pieces of it, I have the whole answer instead of something that's just half-cocked. So I'm walking in confidence that I am hearing the voice of God.
0: That's awesome. So you'll hear confirmations, kind of, but it's also, those are the different... Different facets the of the same of The
2: answer. For me, they're the tenets of the answer. Yeah. They're pieces of a whole. And I can hear them. I mean, if you practice, you can hear, this is the answer to what I just asked. Hmm. It's obvious. It's almost like a line in the spirit that connects the two and draws them together.
1: Hmm.
2: I just wanted to play back on your, let me see what you're calling it here, the physics of faith the idea that there could be spiritual formulas. There's just something about the simplicity of God and math, and him as the author, the math or the science, that has been intriguing to me over the years. And probably my greatest life lesson was um, about 20 years ago, and here I'm confessing something, I lived as a Pharisee. What I elevated was truth. There were times when I was listening to a sermon, if I felt that we had moved off truth, it was all I could do to keep myself in the seat. I might be the one who just would raise my hand or stand. I never did that, except for in small groups. (laughs) Can I I add a different thought right there? But I was just always kind of like a a truth Nazi, if you will. And I considered myself incredibly passionate about the word. And I congratulated myself on that. And I don't think I hit people over the head with it, but I was just very aware of truth. When the Lord came to me and revealed that highest truth is a person, that truth is a person, it's not my theology, and and further, that he is love, and so highest truth is love. When I shifted my paradigm on that, I just began to hold the components of love for the Father, love for his people, obedience. And I was wanting to know what the relationship, if I was going to put love as highest law, I, I, was, I was looking in my heart or in my spirit for an equation, if you will. I'm talking about a principle for, for this relationship between love for God, love for his people, and my obedience. And so I just felt like he gave me an equation. And the equation is love for the father, divided by or broken into spectrum by obedience is the result on the other side of the equals mark is love for his people. When I obey him, love for his people is expressed in my life. And of course, love for the father divided by love for his people could be the same thing as obedience. Just the idea of love. At another time in my life, I came to a place of depression, homeschool mom, lots of years. I didn't really know why I was hurting so much. I was fine. I was functioning, but I was crying on the inside all the time. And my husband asked me one time, what's wrong? And I I said, I don't even know how to describe it. He said, could you just give me some words to help me understand how I can help you? And so I said, well, I think that what's missing in my life is beauty and order and peace. And so over a period of time, I just began to hold before the Lord. What is the mathematical relationship, I don't even know why I ask it like that, between beauty, order, and peace? And so just very simply one day after meditating on this for months and just enjoying the treasure of what is the mystery of it, just this formula that beauty plus order equals peace. Hmm. And I saw it in creation that Creativity, spontaneity, imagination, which would be what I would call the beauty part of the equation, and order, days, years, the rising and setting of the sun, the reproductive nature of creation, that one season, one generation would follow another, this beautiful order. That when God said at the end of the creation day, and then he rested. That was peace mm. because beauty and order brought peace. A silly little equation, but I just wanted to say, add a boy on the, the physics of faith because I think that as a homeschool mom, spelling and history and math and grammar, all of these flow, all education flows from God Himself, yeah. who is the source of all knowledge. I like the aspect of being able to use our, uh, our left brain, as you described it, to express spiritual truths in simple ways. So I just wanted to say that to you. Well done. And how exciting and what fun.
0: This is, this is awesome. This is really good. I feel like you and I are geeking out on the intimacy <laughs> of the Lord the same way that Todd Aton and I are geeking out on something else.
2: And and what you were talking about was the intimacy of the Lord. He was just bringing the scriptures that yep. had expounded to his heart yep. that there's a God-likeness within me. What kind of union are we talking about here? It was more than I was expecting. This is surprising to me. Yep. That's what I was getting from yep. what he was
0: saying. Totally. And yet, it's it's so scripturally – I mean, there's so much scriptural precedent. <laughs> you can't argue with it. <laughs> so what's the conclusion? You're just like, what do I do with this? This is, this is the truth here. Which is true. Yeah. Truth is a person.
2: In the prayer that must be silent, since we're talking about intimacy with God, that is another birthday story. On that year, I found that union with God, intimacy with Him, once again, was just consuming me. And the way I articulated that as as a question or as a request was, Lord, I want to see your glory. And for me, that becomes a formal request on the day of my birthday when I write it in my journal. For my birthday, formally, I want to see your glory. And so then I have that year, the months ahead, but also in the years to come, this delicious anticipation, like standing on tiptoe spiritually. What will that be? What, what, how would God interpret that? And it'll be better than what I might have imagined. But here's what I was imagining. I was imagining that I might see an angel or that I might be in the presence of God that would be consuming, or I might see a tenant of heaven. I didn't know, but I just knew that it would be more than than earth stuff. As that birthday gift unfolded and what that chapter is about is I I just remember... Um specifically, you know, you get these lists of prayer requests, if you belong to a church, you know, here are the people who are sick and in the hospital. And so I was sitting at my computer, I pulled up the newsletter, and here's this list. And then there's this kind of disconnect. Half of these people I don't know, and I I don't know how to address these needs. Some of them I've never experienced myself. Now, how do I just kind of turn everything off and move into prayer? And I was just struggling with that disconnect. And then I thought, what would it be like if somehow I could enter the ongoing intercession of the Holy Spirit? What would it be like if I could be one with him? And so some of the theme of what we've been talking about is prayer. This is where I begin to pray a lot more with no words. And there, were, there was no request. So I'm just speaking into how do you do that practically? There's this ongoing intercession. And so I'm talking about a mystery that we are one with Christ and that my spirit and the Holy Spirit are one unit within this temple, which is me. Pause and think reverently. Say love. And so... I thought, what would it be like then to just join him in the intercession? I wouldn't have to necessarily have English words or even words in tongues. I would be assenting to, I would be saying yes, I would add my yes to that, Hmm. whatever that was. And so I began practicing over a period of weeks, entering ongoing intercession. And there were a number of different things that went with the understanding of glory. But I think the phrase that cleared it up for me was, was when the Lord said, I am my glory. I am my glory. And then I understood that communing with his presence in prayer and worship or just gazing, not just gazing, the ultimate of gazing would be, that would be tasting glory. And so when when you and Todd were talking about union with Christ I was thinking abiding I was thinking of resting I was thinking of standing in grace and other biblical phrases that that in, incorporates the idea of unity or oneness so that's what that chapter is about if that piques your interest at all Of course it does Some people all that contemplative prayer. And perhaps that's what that is. I feel like it is. it does not require language.
0: I've got a question, Ms. Eckhoff. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question from the classroom because I haven't read the chapter.
2: Uh, okay. are, you,
0: are you tying this into um, Romans chapter 8 at all, and uh, specifically 26 through 28 with groaning in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit's intercession? Is this where we're going with this, or is that... In your mind, is that something separate?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And and when you begin opening the word, the voice of the Holy Spirit to God himself as God is ongoing prayer. Yeah. And it's perfect prayer. We by no means enter it fully, but I wondered what it would be like to try to enter, to begin sampling that a little bit. And what I found was that as I tried, the Holy Spirit was more than willing to share his intercession or his heart with me. And what I experienced was not always like a rush of his presence. Sometimes it was just a dawning knowledge of his presence. And, and when I rested in that, I knew that I had entered. Hmm. And then I was just able to say after a short time, amen. Cool. I don't know what that was, but I I loved being with you in it. That's cool. There was no language necessary. All right, that Holy Spirit story.
0: Okay. I was married at 20 years old, 21 maybe, and the marriage fell apart within like six months. I'm so
2: sorry.
0: And, oh, it gets worse. Okay. And (laughs) it gets way worse. But that's fine. I'm not looking for anything. So I was born again from a very early age and four years old. And it was genuine. I trusted in Jesus as my Savior. I was saved. And I knew I was. But then the rest of my life until age 24 was just on again, off again. You know, I never really, I didn't have any intimacy with the Lord. I never heard of intimacy with the Lord. That would have been crazy to me and scary, you know, or something. And so, anyways, um did my own thing for a while. I got married to a gal who was said she was a Christian, you know, and, and praise the Lord, maybe she was, but our marriage completely crashed and burned within like six months. It was bad, and there was abuse, and not on my end, I will say that i didn't I didn't do anything, but i she there was abuse, and a lot of really, really, really bad stuff happened and over the next couple of years, we were married a total of four years, and over those four years. I, I got into a depression, a major depression. And you got to realize my whole family from as far back as we know, on my mom's side are all Christians, believe, lo- loving the Lord, ministers, as far as we know. And on my dad's side also, as far as we know, they're, you know, believers. And so here I am depressed and wanting to take my own life. Suicidal. Oh, yeah. wow. Very real. I mean, like I was like very... And, I was feeling all the shame, all the guilt, all the crazy, you know, talking about divorce. And I'm like, well, no one's in my family's ever done divorce. You know, I'd be like the first and just all this crazy stuff. And so I got into this very heavy depression and I had not been going to church for a while. And so I started going back to church and uh, I was raised, born and raised in a Nazarene church and it was wonderful. And they taught me the word but there was nothing to do with gifts or charismatic, any type of thing, speaking in tongues, none of that. They didn't speak against it, but they didn't, they weren't proponents of any of those types of things. So I'd never been exposed to anything like that. So in the middle of this depression, a friend invited me to a church. And so I started going back to church and it was a very charismatic church, very Pentecostal church, assemblies of God, very missional, very crazy from my perspective. You know, they're, 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 talking about praying in tongues and falling. People are falling on the floor. People are getting healed. And I'm just like, is, what's going on here? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. But like you've been talking about this whole time, there's this thing in us as the body of Christ when we're at, I guess, a level where we're not experiencing the more that we want and you want more. And that was me. Sure. I was depressed and having a hard time in life, but in general, you know, that, but, but spiritually what I saw there changed me. And I said, there's something that guys, these guys have that I don't have. It's real. It's weird, but it's, it's real. Something's going on. And so I, you know, being a student of the word, even back then, I just was like, look guys, tell me what's going on. Where's this stuff in the word? Like show it to me in the word, you know? And they did. The pastors were so gentle and kind and they took me through the scriptures and they, I mean, I read the book of Acts. <laughs> I can't see how I miss this over all the years, you know, but I started reading it and seeing it with my eyes. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is, you know, this is the real deal. So I, I just read it real simply. And I said, yeah, this is in the word. And so all that to say, fast forward, worst week of my life. Like the depression was even extra bad, right? It was just really, really bad. Total bottom of my life. And I went to church and I, I, I yielded to the Lord for the first time in my life. Like I yielded my will everything. And I'd never done that before. Um, I didn't really have far to go though. You got to understand I was already at rock bottom. So my, my will was like this big, you know, but I yielded, I gave everything I had. And I just remember raising my hands in church for the first time, which was very scary to me because I didn't want people looking at me, you know, and I'd never done that before. And here I am looking like all these weirdos. I raised my hands and in an act of submission, and I literally felt honey dripping on my hands, warm, honey that made me feel peace and love. And I opened my eyes and I looked up because I thought somebody was dumping something on me in the natural realm. There was nothing up there. It was the presence of God. It was the love and the anointing or something. And I have my hands up and I'm like, okay, this is weird, but I had this peace, right? All the love and the peace. And so anyways, I go up to the front for prayer, you know, because they're laying hands on people. And, and I go up there and I just was telling myself, I'm like, I don't even believe in falling on the floor or any of this stuff, but I yielded. And the pastor laid his hands on me and I fell over on my back and on the way down i'm like i don't even believe in this but i something happened i had yielded to him because in that moment i was like he's real you know like there's something here and so i'm on i'm I'm on the floor (laughs) and i'm just laying there and i'm like getting washed like my spirit is getting washed you know with the love and the power and the presence of jesus for the first time and i just i heard the whole this is my first time hearing the voice of god like clearly with words he said pray in tongues and i'm like i don't know how (laughs) <laughs> but at that point, I had convinced myself that it was in the Word, you know? And he's like, just do it. I'm like, okay, cool. If you say I can do it, I can do it. So instantly, I just started speaking in tongues fluently. <laughs> and I didn't even know what I was doing. But what ended up happening was the rest of that night, it was just this Holy Spirit, crazy, wild, fast, laying hands on people and people falling over. And I was laying hands on people and they were flying across the room. I was tripped out. But at, at the same time, I had just experienced love and peace and joy and something I'd never felt. And... Yes. So that was really radical and wild. And we were there until 10 o'clock at night, right? But the crazy thing is this, and, and I'm bringing this up because I just celebrated 10 years since this moment last year, right? I told you it's been 11 years. Well, when I was journaling with the Lord last year about this experience and thanking Him, saying, Lord, thank you. I mean, it's been 10 years since that moment where you touched my life and you've changed me so much. Thank you. And I asked Him a question, and this is crazy, but I asked Him a question and I said, Lord, why... Why? Like why? Why me? Like what? What changed? Like what happened? Because my life has taken an upward trajectory over the last ten years—just absolute upward trajectory—and I've just—it's been nothing but amazing. Every single minute, ever since that moment, that exact moment, every single second—I kid you not—for eleven years has just been an. I mean, yeah, I have ups and downs, like everyone else, but I don't know. It's just been good. It's been much better and and powerful and amazing. So I asked him why, and he told me this. He said. It's because you didn't build your life on experience only. He said, so many other people experience what you experienced, but they build their life on that experience. He says, you experienced that, the power and the presence, you know, of my nature. But he says, you built your life on the word. And that was a choice that I made after that experience. I said, I'm not going to just build my life on an experience, although it's amazing and great and it got my attention. I'm going to build my life on the word. And so what that ended up doing was it just blended the things of the spirit and the things of the Word to me in such a way where it's like the experiences the love the power the- person of Jesus and the Word of God are are intertwined the the tapestry is woven together, and so I can read the Word, but not with my head, I read it with my heart, and then I listen to the Holy Spirit not wildly but in respect to the Word of God you know how do how do they agree they always have to agree and so that's what I did. I made a choice. I just, I just remember back in the day, I just said, you know what, this is really crazy stuff, but I'm going to, I need to stay grounded and, and, and know, know him through his word, but also now through the spirit, my life has been changed ever since that moment.
2: Oh, Thank you so much for sharing that story.
0: And then I got shot in the leg the next week.
2: <laughs> that when your friend Todd paid, prayed for you?
0: Uh, Todd prayed for me after this incident, but yeah. Okay. So yeah, but yeah, I got I got a roommate, my roommate and I were cleaning our handguns, and I did it the right way, which is not shooting people, I, you know. And he just, it was kind of a freak accident. He even explained later he didn't know how it happened. It was really interesting. But had the gun been pointed up just a little tiny bit higher, it would have probably gone right through me, and it would have been really bad. So now I have a hole in my leg. <laughs> but it happened one week after that, which I thought was interesting. But anyways, it's just been an exciting adventure. So. So that's that's like the core of like why why I'm so on fire is he just changed my life. I had an encounter with him, and I've had wonderful encounters since then, but I wanted to do it right.
2: I love that. It's a beautiful balance. It's a passion that's worthy of our God, that his word and his spirit are all in all. Yes, ma'am. Yeah
0: okay. Let's wrap it up. Thank you.
2: <laughs> You're so welcome. Thank you for this privilege. I'm just so grateful to be stretched. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to my brother on the other side of the country and to bless your family and your sons and Jenny. Um, and to even have the opportunity just to go, what would I share? If I had the opportunity to share with just more than my church, my small group, my family, what would that look like? And it's been fun just to go, What wow, what would I share? So thank you so much. I've loved having the opportunity to to be a little scared and to to be humbled and to share the stories really the story that you just shared about your life, the stories I've shared about mine are not ours, they're God's. And any way he wants to use them, that is his privilege. Yeah. Have you shared your testimony on the podcast?
0: Yeah, I have. I have to think okay. about when and where. I think I've done it in pieces. I don't know if I've done it all in once. I'm not sure. You know, the earlier season, uh, I actually shared some of it like that—not the, all the details—but mm-hmm. I did share some of it in the mm-hmm. intro. So every single podcast, people heard a little bit of an intro. But I see. yeah, I'm glad. Yeah.
2: I'll be blessed by that.
0: Thank you. Well, I'm thankful. That you said yes to come. And I, it was it was a new experience for me to reach out to somebody I didn't know at all. But I felt like I I felt like I kind of knew you a little bit through the book, you know, and through the the U version stuff. But I just have been encouraged. And so I just I'm glad I, you know, list, I I believe I believe I was listening to the Lord and stepping out, you know, and I believe He put us together and and this is really cool. So
2: Thank you, Justin. I'll be looking for your new book in Amazon. Mm-hmm. I leave my blessing with your ministry, your podcast, and your family, with your education, and with your pursuit of intimacy with
1: God. Amen. Thank you.
2: You're welcome.
1: Thank you for listening to The Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppablepodcast.org. Find out what we're doing in Kenya with our nonprofit organization, Kynos Global, at kynosglobal.org. Get involved by checking out our open volunteer positions and ways to support us financially. Please like and subscribe to the Unstoppable Podcast on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube so that more people can hear this teaching. We hope today's episode has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.